welcome to another episode of Ryan's Method Passive Income Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Hogue. Hey guys, thanks for joining me today. I'm here with Bailey, a top 0.1%, maybe even 0.01% at one point, the number one Etsy digital product seller. And I am super excited to learn more about her journey. Hey, Bailey, thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes. And Bailey also is on YouTube. I will link to her YouTube channel at the top of the description. I actually uh, reviewed or reacted to one of your videos because I was like intrigued to watch it and I wanted to like share it with my audience. Uh, That was a really nice like intro into who you are and what you've accomplished. But do you want to just, I guess, give us a brief like over overview of everything that you've uh, achieved on Etsy so far? Sure. Um, Well, I didn't start off um, out in digital. I actually started um, completely handmade. They were still tumblers, um, but they were like the glitter epoxy resin type tumblers that take on average about two to three weeks to make. Um, We saw amazing success with that and um, would love to have kept going, but that was taking about 16 hours a day um, and pretty much like four different members of my family that I had to hire. Um, so it's just not scalable. And plus I was pregnant with that time at with my uh, second child. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, then I moved into a different type of tumbler, which is the sublimation tumbler that I actually design the digital products for, um, just because that takes about five minutes to create one of those. So I thought it would be way easier. Once again, we were able to scale that to anywhere from 50 to 60 orders a day. But once again, it was still a physical product. So someone was always making them, packaging, shipping, and we didn't have time um, to really like go on vacations or do anything with the money we were making. So, um, and then uh, get pregnant with the third child. So at that point, I was just like, I'm really really just looking for something um, to do digitally where I'm not um, doing much customer service or any shipping packaging or fulfilling of anything. So I was just like, well, I already make these. How hard can it be to make the design for them? Um, And at the time when I started making these in January of 2022, there was still competition, but not much. So there wasn't much to like look at and Um, really try to mirror off of, I would say. So it was kind of like an open playing field. I was able to do a lot in the first three months, which is when I hit the first five-figure month was in March of 2022. So I'm one of those rare cases where I did see basically immediate success within three months, but it wasn't without like hundreds of listings a month. I still think we I was at 500 listings by March. Um, So still a lot. And can I ask, like, uh, did you use the same shop for all of this and just kind of introduce new products? Do you recommend starting a separate shop? I know that's a common question that I see. Yes, I did um, use the same shop. So in December, we closed down everything um, that was handmade. I actually am physical. I had some POD items on there that were personalized as well. And um, those were doing really great at the same time, but there was no 
customization app. So I was literally copying and pasting into templates like hundreds of times a day. So those that shop did really well. It still never hit in that year. I think we hit 7,000 sales, um, but still did good, but it was a lot of manual work. So in January, I turned off every POD and um, handmade listing and just started putting out digital. And can I ask, like, where were you getting the designs prior to you making them yourself? Like, did it, like, when did the light bulb kind of go off? Like if you were buying them from somebody else or wh whatever you were doing? Yeah. So since it was just a really custom, like it was just like a custom name template with like a tiny bit of graphic design in it. I actually purchased them off of Etsy. Um, and she would do a lot of customized ones that I would need if I needed something other than like the word mama or auntie, which it was in the family um, niche. So I would get them from a Etsy seller that I found. Um, and then we did experiment with a little bit of different designs that we would get off of Creative Fabrica, but nothing that went really well. Um, it was just one, one major type of design spread across all different types of, of niches. And you mentioned customer service and I kind of like smirked to myself because I was like, you wanted less customer service. Did, was that the case? Cause I always imagine like with digital, you know, just that extra needing to click to hit download or something, or you get like the PDF with a download link. What has your experience been like with customer service and what can anybody watching expect? So I thought it would be way easier and I will tell anyone it is not. Um, I mean, it's less, and you can build a ton of templates because they do ask pretty much the same five questions and you can just build your auto responses out. Someone still has to click them. Um, but yeah, it's the same top questions that I get asked on a daily basis, at least 20 to 30 different times. Um, and we do have a very good system of over 40 different responses that are just canned and we click the button. So it's, the, the most way that you could ever get it automated as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love the, the pre-built pre-written responses. I have those for uh, Amazon as well. So <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of like what you shared with regards to your journey, where did you go? Like from your first like five figure month, like how did you kind of scale it out from there once everything's validated? And, you know, a lot of people watching would be super excited to hit, you know, those sort of numbers. Like what, what'd you do next? So since I hit that number in um, March, I was just like, well, it's obviously possible. And that was without ads at all. So my first thing, because I had ran ads before on POD and um, the other types of tumblers, and we, we had never not run ads. So um, I was just like concerned with that low of a price point if there was enough room um, where they would still be profit profitable. And so I started with a really low daily ad budget, put it on all of the listings, and then just started increasing it every single week. So I think the way, um, the first way that I scaled really fast was that I spent a lot of money on ads where no one in my space even advertised. Um, so I was the first one to really just dump a ton of money into it, which we just took our profits and just turned it around to see if we could double it essentially, which we did. So it does work. Um, people like to argue that Etsy ads don't work. Um, and to this day, I still run a lot of money on Etsy ads. So 
Um, the other ways that I did it was um, I come from a email marketing background. So I was like, I used to do this in the corporate world. I can take the same um, principles and apply it towards this because I know email marketing works. And so I built a basic lead magnet, magnet which is just free designs of what they're already getting. They sign up for that and then they get a weekly newsletter now. Um, and that's grown to over 20,000 people. And then I also started a Facebook group to direct them to since my niche um, hangs out mostly in big Facebook groups for sublimation. So we do lots of different, like everybody shares their products in there, like with whatever they make from the designs. Um, there's tips in there. And I also share more free weekly designs in there to keep them engaged. And I think that that group is about nine, it's a little over 9,000 now. So we started that right after March. So I think by the end of April, we had it all set up. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, that's great growth. And yeah, like Facebook, uh, everybody probably has mixed feelings on Facebook, you know, it like kind of, kind of comes and goes. I feel like they pivoted to like making groups the next thing that they wanted people to like engage with. And one thing I'll say is having set up like groups, I think in like 2019 for the various like income streams that I pursue, uh, it's worth doing because every now and then I'll just have a group that gets like a hundred member requests in a day. And it's like, it's because it's getting pushed out for some reason organically on Facebook that, and it's just like free visibility. So yep. yeah. Mine is a group too. Um, it's a private group that they get to join and that's where they get more free weekly design. So they do have an incentive to join it, but I know that happens all the time with ours because we'll just get tons of new people and they've never even bought from me on Etsy and they'll come in there and they'll just be like, who are you? Where, where's your shop? And I was just like, how did you find this if you don't? So it works. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, I have to ask, because I know everybody's probably wondering, you talked about ads. I don't doubt that advertising like works because, you know, more visibility, more sales, you know, pretty tight correlation there. Um, I just want to know, like, how active are you in trying to turn off like the dumb search terms that Etsy will associate with, you know, some of your products, you know, and like, I wanted to ask also when you initially started mentioned, it wasn't as common that people in your space were advertising. Was that reflected, do you feel, in your average like cost per click? Like, was it lower? Or yes. was Etsy still just being like, oh, 75 cents per click, we don't care? No, it was way, way lower. Um, and it's totally changed this year. So, and that's just because um, my niche got a huge influx of sellers with AI and with the YouTube videos. And um, so, I mean, they were definitely cheaper. And then in the beginning, I did have to babysit them um, and turn off everything that they were not supposed to be showing up for. So that did happen. But I realized probably after three months um, there, I mean, I only check them once a month and sometimes I forget because they, I think they are Etsy just knows that what my shop is. They know my niche, they know the product. Um, so I'm not really, I never ever have lost a month on ads. Um, it's always been double my money at the bare minimum. And what do you think your secret is that sets you apart? Uh, by the way, I love how transparent you are. If you guys aren't familiar with Bailey's videos, like she even shares her shop that she references, which is definitely a, a rarity. 
<laughs> so um, check out her YouTube channel and the great videos you've been doing. It always scares me when like someone, I, I'm not like, you're like a newer YouTuber, newer YouTuber relative to me. And then you pop up doing great videos and it's always like the bar just keeps getting raised. And I'm like, damn it, I need to keep like raising the bar for myself. I get too comfortable. So uh, check out Bailey's videos. But um, yeah, like what, what, what do you think? What sets me apart? Yeah. What did, sorry, what sets you apart from like anybody watching this that wants to start right now? Um, I would say that putting myself back like in a new seller's position where there were still stores that had over 100,000 sales, 50,000 sales, 10,000 reviews. It's not like I was entering a marketplace where, you know, everybody was a new seller of that product. Um, I think what sets me apart is just my ability. I don't quit um, anything really. So <laughs> I think it go it, it just goes down to that. Whatever you decide to start, whether it is selling some digital product or print on demand, just don't stop until you see the success. Um, I was able to put up 500 listings in three months because I just sat down every single day and said, I will put up 20 listings or I'm not going to bed. I know that that sounds crazy, but and that won't work for more, most people. But um, if you have the mentality that you're going to do it until you see the success, then you'll see success. Now I can totally relate. Like uh, anybody who joins my email list, they get like some automated emails that are like super important messages that I want to share. And I'm pretty sure it's like the first email is just talking about the difference between being a doer and being any, anybody that is not a doer. It's just the doer mentality is exactly what you described. It's it's never wondering if I will do it is I will do. And I will, you know, the, the rest is the variable, the parts that you don't control, of course. And I mean, you mentioned you've got kids and all that. So serious respect. Um, <laughs> I don't have any kids. I have chihuahuas, but uh, I did have two day jobs that I, so that's like the best I can do to even compare, but I'm sure you worked as well. So that's just like super inspiring. If you were able to do it, hopefully everybody watching and let her know, let Bailey know in the comments guys, like that, uh, that she provided some inspiration. Do you have any tips? Like, what was the hardest part if you can think back like to when you were initially scaling this out and if it's not hard, like harder now than it was then, like the hardest it was ever for you, like it ever was any tips that allowed you to get over the hump? I think the hardest thing for me was that I didn't have any type of design background at all. I have an English lit major. So like, doesn't even, it doesn't even help anything, not even with marketing, how I got that job. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> The, the biggest thing was learning how to design and then design the types of designs that the customers actually wanted. And I think the biggest breakthrough was just actually creating for what wasn't there, but there was demand for. So just because I wanted to create the most popular, cute thing, um, I didn't. I just created what was being searched for. Um, and that's just back to, you know, research and keyword <laughs> the fun stuff, um, and creating what was actually being searched for because I had a better chance at being shown for those things, even if my design was not as good. And I will say that with design, like just the more and more that you do it, you'll become an expert. Um, after three months, I would say that I was just as good as anyone else, just because I had to do so many of them to get to that level. I love that. Yeah. I, I don't consider myself good at design, but I've been, you know, using Photoshop for over 20 years. So I don't shy away from a challenge when it comes to creating a, 
you know, like, like the output might not be me like freehanding some original drawing or something, but I can still get what I want typically, you know, through mixing and matching like creative fabrica graphics or whatever it is. But uh, right. I wanted to ask like, what do you use um, to design in? If you don't mind sharing, like what's your go-to design app? So right now it's just Kittle. Um, I used to use Canva a lot because I did sell printables before when I was like testing last year, different types of stores because I was wasn't even sure if I was going to keep making the Tumblr wraps. Um, so fast forward, uh, just focusing on the Tumblr wraps, I only use Kittle. Um, and then last year, I only used Creative Fabrica or things that were available within Kittle. Um, and then I was actually pretty late to the AI game um, because a bunch of people in my space were doing it. And I was kind of on the fence, like I didn't know if I wanted to do it because there was so much like back and forth and I just felt like either probably I don't want to say join the dark side but join the dark side or get left behind and I feel like if I didn't my shop wouldn't even be existing because it just changed the space on Etsy mm -hmm. so much for what we do so um, now I would say to anyone it's even easier than ever because you can choose any type of app or software and create it or you can still use Creative Fabrica things, which half of them are AI generated anyway, but that's another story. So. <laughs> yeah, they need to like have a filter to like get rid of the like yes. CF, CF Spark stuff from search because there's just yes. too much. <laughs> um, thank you for addressing AI, by the way, because uh, I definitely, you knew I was going to have to ask, you know, it was one of those questions that was unavoidable. Um, before I forget though, I wanted to ask how much of your success do you attribute to your research process? I know you had used E-Rank in the video that uh, I watched that I did a reaction to. Like you you kind of touched on it, but that's something that I think for people that are still watching, by the way, thank you, hit that like button. Um, if you're getting value from this video, which I am, uh, how much like success do you attribute to that, to the fact that you were looking for the pockets of opportunity based on search volume and you know, kind of trying to serve them? I would attribute all of it um, because those original designs, um, they were only created because I had no audience. I had no one to ask, you know, I didn't have anything other than research tools. And at that time, um, I started using Everbee at the same time. And so I do use both of them in conjunction with each other because I like to cross check. I like to see numbers of dollars. Um, and so I will use both. Um, there's just a few things that Everbee doesn't have to get me to like leave E-Rank forever, but I need, at this time I need both because I, I do different things in both. So I would say that, I mean, every bit of last year's success came from doing proper product research, which everybody loves to hear. Of course. And, uh, I've asked you so many questions. I know you've got even better content, both on your YouTube channel and in your course, both of which we will link in the description. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us? One thing that I guess we didn't touch on, maybe just briefly touch on like your approach for SEO for search engine optimization. Um, I think that a lot, I, I, a lot of importance is placed on it, which it should be. Um, I still don't think it's like the number one thing that you should be focused on. Um, but I mean, it's probably a close second. Um, everything that I find in those keyword research tools like E-Rank or Everbee um, are just 
placed properly in my titles, tags, and description. And I actually tell my students not even to look at my old ones anymore because they're not even, they're probably not even correct because I was putting so little emphasis on my descriptions until Etsy changed that. So I would recommend um, making sure that you have your descriptions optimized, which they should be. With a store like mine now, it doesn't necessarily as matter. It's not going to have a huge effect on them. On them, but I would say as a new seller, you should always attempt to make sure that your SEO is on point, which is essentially just that keyword research that you found. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of uh, using like bulk solutions as a function of, I guess, I mean, I hate making excuses, but it, it really is like just a function of how much time I can dedicate to my Etsy. You know, because I, I was talking off camera with you about that I like to sell on, you know, Amazon merch, Amazon Seller Central, Walmart ebay <laughs> etsy so it's like there's only so much time in the day but um the, the the bulk seo solutions that are ai powered definitely do not compare to doing it yourself um that i know so they don't <laughs> we don't do that at all so that's probably one thing i do still do myself um i have lots of support now but um i'm very picky about the keywords because I know my niche. I don't even usually need to look it up anymore. Um, so I would recommend anyone starting out, do, do that yourself and make sure that that is correct. <laughs> awesome. Well, I want, I guess the last question I can think of and uh, feel free if, if there's anything else to discuss, like maybe talk about your course, but I wanted to ask you last question is digital products or print on demand or both, I guess. <laughs> Um, I am leaning towards both because that's what I'm really trying to test in my new store, which is like a hybrid method, which is both print on demand and digital. Um, and I'm teaching it a very specific way. And I have a few um, course members who are doing extremely well with it. Um, so I'm kind of leaning towards that. I'll see how my store keeps going with it. It's really hard to like, be able to dedicate enough as much time as I want to it. Um, but I kind of, I think both because you have the ability to really build a brand and then have much higher uh, profit margins on the print on demand side, if you're choosing the right products, but then you have the digital side and that can be like a lower type way to get people in the door. It's also a different way to send develop a really, really good lead magnet for them and your email list, which is what I preach. And so I think that they can be, I think that those shops can work really, really well together if you do it right. And would you be in agreement with me that uh, maybe anybody watching should try to do one to like a really high degree before kind of yes. pivoting to the other, you know, oh, doing both yes. okay versus one really well? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you'll get so burnt out so quickly and, um, you should always master one thing first, choose which design software you're going to, to do, um, your designs in and only do them in there. Don't try to learn three. Um, don't try to learn three different AI softwares. I don't know if they're softwares or apps, but don't try to learn three of them. Just pick one. Um, and I think that you'll see success much quicker, um, because you'll really master it. Awesome. Well, uh, what can they expect behind uh, like the paywall of your course? Might as well give them a chance because like you're one of the few people I know, if if not the only, that has like a you know a course. Well, you have the experience first and foremost to speak to that nobody's questioning, and you've got a great course, I'm sure. So, like, what can they expect to learn in your like Etsy digital products course? 
Um, it is honestly um, a start to finish, like over the shoulder of every single thing that I did. Um, so I think it's really helpful for people who need it step by step. Like this is what you do now. This is what you do now. This is when you build your lead magnet. This is when you start your Facebook group or your Pinterest or whatever it might be. Um, it also goes into my hybrid method that we're testing out a whole different module on that. And then I think probably the biggest thing um, that I don't know if a lot of people normally do this in their courses or not, but um, I am in there every single day for support and questions. And then also we do a monthly live call. I also do a weekly trend um, video, which is all the trends that a specific trend that I see every single week, especially for print on demand or for digital. Most of the time they'll work together, um, but that's just me because I do like the research part of it. So I like to nerd out and do that. And then I provide that to them so that hopefully they can get ahead of most of the other Etsy sellers. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I guess I, while you were talking, I was thinking to myself, like do digital products, like I imagine they would, do they see a spike in demand in like November, December? Oh yeah. A big one. Um, and it's definitely not just like Christmas items. It's everything because the majority of my specific digital product, they're making those products as gifts. And so they need it for anything imaginable. So um, everything really does start to spike. Awesome. As I would expect, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Bailey, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this was a great interview. I learned so much. Guys, everybody watching, please let her know if you appreciated this interview. Go subscribe to her channel and drop a like on the uh, video for the YouTube algorithm. But uh, Bailey, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me.